Good evening, and welcome back to Football Extra Points on Our Sports Radio. Thanks for joining me tonight. I'm your host, Scott King, creator of FootballExtraPoints.com, part of the Yard Barker Network. On tonight's show, we're going to be diving into free agency, continuing to talk about uh, the draft that's upcoming next month and uh, the league year that started off this past week, so things have been uh, hot and heavy since that happened on Tuesday. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking to some of the uh, featured staff writers for the Football Extra Points website, so I look forward to those conversations tonight. And if you'd like to join the conversation at any point, uh, you can call in at 323-927-2906 and give your feedback on your team, where you think they're headed in the uh, draft, how the free agency period has changed things, and where we're going from there. So uh, we're going to go ahead and dive right into the show. We've got a lot to cover this week. Obviously, free agency kicked off on Tuesday. A lot of activity early on. We've got to catch up on from last week. Uh, Mike Wallace was the big signing down there in Denver, probably one of the bigger names to land, or um, Denver, Miami Dolphins. Um, he signed down there, so a uh, good move for them. The Dolphins need some wide receiver help, so uh, that was a good Good ad for them. They also added some linebackers, uh, LRB and, and Wheeler, so helps out that that group. Uh, the Dolphins, just to stay on them for a minute, did did lose Jake Long. Uh, didn't really make a real hard play to sign him. Um, he had some injuries last year, but he's a really solid tackle, and, and if his injury issues are resolved, he's going to be a, a great pickup for the Rams. Uh, they lost Sean Smith, cornerback. That'll hurt him. Reggie Bush uh, went to the Lions, which is a good pickup for the Lions, kind of fills that Javid best role that he could never fill for being off the field. Uh, but Miami, uh, they've got – they had some things kind of figured out down there at running back other than Bush. I think Reggie Bush is is still gets uh, a lot of headlines because of his name and, and his history there at USC, but – uh, he's not a featured back. He won't be a featured back for Detroit. So that, that's more of a headline move than anything, in, in my opinion. So moving around the league a little bit, uh, Matt Hasselbeck from the Titans released. Leaves a hole behind Jake Walker. Uh, I've never been a Jake Walker fan. Uh, wasn't really big on him at Washington. Didn't think he was going to be much of a um, NFL quarterback. He's had kind of an up-and-down season. Our career, still not sold on him. Uh, he's got some athletic ability. I think the Titans having Matt Hassel back there to back him up was a, a huge uh, plus for that team. So now that he's on the road, he's got to find a slot. Um, several teams looking at him. I know I saw um, definitely a lot of interest in, in a veteran quarterback like that. So he could land somewhere uh, like Kansas City. Uh, backing up Alex Smith, uh, and he's he could actually get a starting job depending on where the draft goes. You've still got teams like uh, Jacksonville without a quarterback. You've got um, the Jets. I'm still not sold on their quarterback situation. Oakland's got a weak quarterback situation. Uh, you've got uh, Tennessee. Uh, they already released him in Tennessee, but uh, Arizona still has a bad quarterback situation, Buffalo needs a starter, and, you know, there's also some backup situations that need the Browns still need a starter, so 
a lot of a lot of landing spots that could still work out for him down the road, but uh, Matt Hasselback kind of out on the street at this point. Uh, you've also got the uh, Elvis Dumerville situation where his agent couldn't get the paperwork filed in time. He ended up getting uh, put out on the street as a free agent. And, you know, that's just kind of a, an interesting, yeah, I don't know how you go through an entire offseason when you know you've got, got to make some moves and, and you can't get the paperwork signed. So, um, you know, whatever that means for them. Some some names out there, some bigger names. O.C. Humanura is on the street. Uh, saw that Detroit was on his list. I think that would be a great fit for Detroit. They've got a big weakness at the defensive end position with uh, moving on from Vanden Bosch, Cliff Averill going to Seattle. So that's definitely uh, a need there that could fill – uh, fill for them with OC. Uh, Namdi Asamoah, who a couple years ago, it was a, a argument between Darrell Revis and him for who was the best corner in the league, and, and it was really split. And and he went to Philly and just fell off the face of the earth. And, and uh, it's partly he was exposed a little bit, but it was just a bad situation. I think they played him wrong in the wrong slot there. And it just wasn't really working out for him. So uh, Namdi Asim was on the on the street. Somebody's going to get him at a discount based on how things ended there in uh, in Philly. And I think that's definitely going to uh, help some team land a big big name. So one thing we're going to touch on a little later in the show is the pro day of Geno Smith. Uh, West Virginia had their pro day on the 14th, so the last part of last week. Um, so we'll we'll uh, we'll save that one for later. But uh, Geno Smith did have his. A few more pro days while we're on it coming up. We've got uh, Florida State this week coming up. Tennessee coming up. Uh, Georgia and Stanford on the 21st, and then it's sort of building towards uh, Texas. Notre Dame on the 26th. We'll get to see what Manti Teo does. March 27th is USC, LSU, and South Carolina. And then the 28th is uh, BYU. See what uh, Ansa is able to do there in the draft. I mean, in his pro day. So right now we've got also the league meetings going on. I'll be looking for some information to be coming out of there. And then also uh, uh, we've got uh, those will be wrapping up. A few more regional combines. The Super Regional is coming up. And then uh, obviously the draft there in April. So it looks like we've got our first caller for tonight. Uh, Ryan is on the on the line. Hey, how's it going? Great. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Great. Well, thanks for calling in. And uh, uh, for those of you out there listening, Ryan's work is is up on uh, FootballExtraPoints.com. He's one of our staff writers, so he's been covering uh, free agency and giving his thoughts there on uh, a couple articles recently on the Giants and and just the draft in general covering a lot of things. So um, I was just touching on free agency a little bit. You know, we had a lot of activity with Mike Wallace signing down in in Miami. Um, What are your thoughts there on that first week of of free agency? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, the first week usually, you know, isn't as as loud as, um, you know, once we get started, you know, once we – Go up towards the draft, you know, and I was thinking about it last year, you know, not a lot of big signings or anything like that, but it seemed like this year things kind of 
you know, the first day, the first couple hours, there was a lot of, you know, big signings, a lot of movement. Uh, you know, Mike Wallace getting the big, you know, five-year contract with the Dolphins kind of set the free agent, you know, wide receiver market. And, um, you know, we'll see. The Dolphins, you know, they made the other move with, you know, Danelle Ellerby. They, you know, they're making some moves. You know, they got the quarterback in Tannehill last year, and it seems like they're trying to surround him with some talent. So, you know, if you want to win in the AFC East, you gotta, you got to, you know, break the bank sometimes. And a lot of people, you know, look at Wallace as a speed, you know, type receiver, a guy who can take the top off the defense. But, you know, he's gonna, now he's going to have a chance to prove himself. So we'll see what happens to him. Yep, and so the Giants, uh, you know, they they've gone out and they signed uh, Colin Jenkins on the defense. They they let Ot mm-hmm. Manure go. They let Bradshaw go. Um, where, where are they heading? Do you think with the running back situation there now? Wilson, you know, ended up in uh, in uh, Coughlin's doghouse with some fumbles. Is he really yeah. the guy? <laughs> are they gonna? Um, yeah, I do they think... still have Ware on the on the roster there. Where do they go at the running back slot? Yeah, so essentially, you know, last year you had Bradshaw who, you know, he's 28, 29 now, so he's getting nicked up every couple of games. Wilson didn't really get a chance until probably, you know, the seventh or eighth game of the year to really show what he had. He played against the Saints and, you know, had over 250 total yards. So I think that was a glimpse of, of how they're going to use him. I, I think what they're going to do – you know, they could look at a running back in the draft in the later rounds, but since they have a lot of issues, you know, on the offensive line and sort of your, the front seven there, I, I think they're going to stick with Wilson as the one. And then, you know, a guy like Andre Brown, who was really, their, at times last year, their best running back on the team until he broke his foot in the last uh, second to last game of the season. So they're going to stick with uh with Wilson. I mean, he he's going to be fresh. He didn't hit a, a rookie wall or anything last year because he really didn't you know, play a lot. He he returned kickoffs, but other than that, he didn't do much. So, I think, you know, for now they're going to they're going to they like they like Wilson and they're you know, they like Andre Brown too. He's he's coming off the injury, but he's a tough guy up the middle, so, you know, I think that's what they're going to do as far as the running backs are concerned and um you know, they've done they've done some things in free agency too. You know, usually Jerry Reese will kind of quietly go about free agency this year. He's, you know, they signed Colin Jenkins. They just recently signed uh, Brandon Myers, the tight end from from Oakland. And you know, they've uh, they've done some things. They, they're a team that doesn't have. They don't have a lot of holes. They have some inconsistencies here and there. And you know, they've. I think what what Reese has done is sort of shore up some of the some of the need positions and then go big on the offensive line of dress. Yes, I, I actually had Ahmad Bradshaw on my fantasy league last year, so I'm very familiar with the Giants' backfield and, and uh, made the mistake of starting the wrong guys and, and saw Andre Brown <laughs> blow it up one game. So it was it was a struggle. You know, fortunately, uh, in this year's draft, there is some talent, but they're not really, you know, Eddie Lacy may go at the later half of the first round, mm-hmm. but, right. you know, down in that second, third round, they could get, uh, Giovanni Bernard, Monty Ball, Andre Ellington. I mean, they could definitely fill a hole big time in their draft there at the second, uh, second and third round. So, so that's definitely a plus. Yeah, I mean, usually teams don't like to show their their hand as far as the draft is concerned, but I think Reese has kind of been doing that. I mean, he, he there. I, I would be shocked if they didn't go offensive line in the first round. 
um, just because they they need a right tackle, they need a left guard with Kevin Booth, you know, possibly leaving for free agency, and you know that that's basically the, the one glaring need on the team. And then, like you said, they can take a running back, and you know, the, the second or third, or maybe even fourth round. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. And with uh, I mentioned earlier uh, before you came on OC, you know they let them right. go, and and mm-hmm. I'm I'm a Lions fan myself, and and they've they've got some definite holes at the defensive end position. What, what do you think he still has left in the tank? I know he's had some injury issues. Is, is there much yeah. left there? Or is he a specialty player? Think, yeah, no. OC is the type of player where if he over the years. If he's happy, if he's in the right position, if he's getting playing time and, you know, I mean, he can be a, a 12, 13 sack guy. It's just a matter of if he, you know, if his heart is in it and if he's, you know, he's had some injuries the last couple seasons. He's had a hit, you know, I think two two hip surgeries probably. But honestly, I mean, he, you know, when Jason Pierre-Paul came in and kind of replaced him, O.C.'s he's, he's a little bit of a personality, so he's, we never quite, you know, understood whether or not he was going to want to be with the Giants long term or whether he was going to want to leave. He, you know, kind of, you know, openly complained about some playing time here and there. But, I, but you know, if I'm a team like the Lions and, you know, you you go from being in the playoffs one year and then, you know, kind of letting the season get away from you last year, I I would absolutely take a chance on a guy like you, Manure, because you can give him a one- or a two-year deal and, probably not paying much for him. I mean, he really hasn't gotten a lot of looks other than the Lions. I heard maybe the Dolphins were interested. But, you know, he's an older guy, He's but he's also still really talented. And, you know, he can come in and he's not going to play every down, but he can catch a big sack. I mean, he's one of the, I mean, in his prime with a couple of years ago, he was one of the best speed rushers in the league. And he's not, he's not particularly great against the run anymore just because he's, you know, because of his age and he's he's gotten injured, but you know you need a sack, fumble, or a turnover. He's he's the guy. So I mean, I think the Lions should. You know, losing Cliff Averill was tough, so they they should. Add, they, I would I would be shocked if they didn't you know offer OC a, a contract. Yeah, he's. I think he fits that uh, uh, Kyle Vandenbosch slot there. Kind of a veteran guy come in, give him a couple years, and and yeah. and uh, make some plays. So with the. Uh, now the free agency has kind of been going on here for a week, and and we've got teams making moves. And Kansas City traded for Alex Smith. Um, where do you think? Uh, how do you think that changes that top end of the draft uh, with yeah, them think, now going with Alex Smith and and sealing up their decision there? I think I, I truthfully I never saw a quarterback going one. You know, regardless of what the Chiefs did, I think. Andy Reid's the type of guy that can they can you know take a, a mediocre or second tier quarterback and and make him a good one. So I think the strategy sort of stays the same. You know, the, I think they're going to take um, a guy like Luke Jogel or, or Eric Fisher a tackle because you know they're a team that they have a lot of talent on their team and it's it's always been you know why why aren't they any good? And it was mostly because of the quarterback position, but now that they got Alex Smith. You need a guy, you know, you need two bookend, you know, offensive linemen to protect them. They, they franchise Brandon Albert um, so he can maybe move to right or possibly Jokel, you know, the, uh, the big prospect out of Texas A&M could play, you know, on a right tackle for a year and then switch to left. So I don't think it changes 
you know, getting Alex Smith in free agency, they also made a, you know, they re-signed Dwayne Bowe. You know, they got a, a cornerback in Sean Smith from the Dolphins. So I think it doesn't really change their strategy. I think they're going to, if a team offers them a trade to maybe move down to four or five and get an extra pick, I I think that they might do it because they don't, you know, they don't need the, the quarterback there. I, I think their best, you know, it's in their best interest to take, you know, the best offensive lineman who's, you know, in this draft is going to be on your team for eight to ten years. So. Yeah, and, and with Albert just getting that franchise tag, that would fit, you know, good. Get Bring in a guy uh, uh, like Jokel or Fisher, get him some playing time, and then next year move Albert on and, and uh, move one of these guys over to the, the left tackle. So that's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this draft is not the, – the first round, you, you don't have a lot of skill guys and even a lot of quarterbacks who I think even are worthy of a – a first-round pick, but the offensive lineman and the defensive lineman, I mean, this is one of the best drafts for that position in a long time, so the Chiefs can get a guy on the, on the offensive line and, you know, hope he pans out, and that way Smith, I mean, before he got benched in San Francisco, Smith had, you know, a high completion percentage. He was one of the highest-rated quarterbacks in the league, so if you give him time, then the guy's good. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah, hopefully Andy Reid uses Jamal Charles more than he used uh, uh, McCoy in the running game in, in Philly, and actually gives uh, Smith a chance to set up some play action and and uh, you know use use the running game to his advantage. Um, yeah, so that, that that would be that would be a good thing uh, for them to do. Absolutely. So with the uh, uh, you know looking at at some of these other teams here in the top end of the draft, we've mm-hmm. got. You know the the Raiders, who are uh, just a, a perennial train wreck. It seems like I don't even know <laughs> well, the who they've got left I mean, on their roster. They've got a. It's an interesting draft. The Raiders. I, I wrote an article about it. You know, about a week ago, they've missed on you know three out of their last four first round picks, and it has set you know the team back a couple of years now. So they're just they're just starting to sort of you know they they cut. Hayward Bay, which was honestly kind of a surprise. I I didn't you think that that was even that they were even thinking about doing that. So they cut him. You know, obviously Jamarcus Russell is out of the league. Um, even going back to the mid two thousand, you know, two thousand five, two thousand six, they had you know Robert Gallery, which was a top. You know, I think he went third or fourth in the draft, and he kind of turned out to be just sort of a guy. I mean, he wasn't really a a, a good player. So I think. You know, I again, you got Eric Fisher, the the offensive lineman from Central Michigan. There, the Raiders, they don't necessarily need a skill player. Um, you know, they they have a this, they pretty much need any but you know any player besides <laughs> you know a, a running back or a quarterback. Um, you know, Palmer. Who knows what who knows what's going to happen there? But I think it's in their best interest to take the best player available. And you know, at that point, it would probably be an offensive lineman or, or maybe a guy like Sharif Floyd from Florida, who's you know being compared to Warren Sapp, which who knows? But I mean, they could they could definitely use a use a guy like that. So yeah, definitely. And, and you know that that's that, that's a team where best player available really literally means best player available. Yeah, and they, it's, I mean, like you said, I mean, it wouldn't matter. They could take any player on the board, and and it would fill a need for them. And, and yeah, I, and you know, I saw, 
um, Terrell Pryor, you know, he started the last game of the season for him, and, and I rewatched that game, um, I don't know, several weeks after the season started, and I was actually surprised that that uh, he looked halfway decent for somebody that hadn't played much and and yeah. wasn't getting the reps. You know, we'll we'll see what they do with him through the off season. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, Reggie McKenzie, the the new GM there. I believe this is his second year. And if you really think about it, since they didn't have a draft pick the last couple of years because of, you know, past mistakes, this is his first true test of, you know, his first draft, really. And uh, we'll see where he wants to take the team, so it'll be interesting. Yep. Well, I uh, appreciate you calling in uh, tonight, Ryan. Why don't you give everybody your uh, Twitter handle and and where they can find you, um, find your work. Absolutely. So it's uh, the Twitter is Ryan, uh, middle initial M is in Matthew, and the last name is Kane, uh, K-E-A-N-E. So that's at Ryan M. Kane. Um, again, I usually write about the Giants. Um, you know, been a fan of them for for a long time, and we'll see uh, we'll see what they can do this year. But you know, I'll definitely be uh, posting some some other articles as we get closer to the draft. Um, Probably going to be posting my first mock draft in the uh, coming days, so we'll see about that. All right, great. Well, I appreciate you calling in tonight, Ryan. All right, thanks again. Yep, see ya. All right, see ya. All right, that was uh, Ryan Keene. He's uh, got some articles up on the site on the Giants, so we were talking about that. Uh, if you'd like to join the conversation, uh, the number is uh, 323 323- Nine two seven two nine zero six, and we're just going through some free agency and some draft conversations. So, uh, looks like we've got another caller on the line, uh, Kevin. Hello. Hi, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. Great. Um, so we're just uh, kind of going through the draft and free agency tonight. Um, Kevin's work is is also found on uh, FootballExtraPoints.com. So as you guys cruise around the site. He's uh, one of our staff writers. Um, so I was just, uh, we were just going through some Giants talk and, and some Lions talk here. Um, now we can switch gears and dive into the Falcons. You know, they, they made all those cuts uh, after the league year started with uh, Turner and Abraham and Dante Robinson out the door. Um, but then they bring in Steven Jackson. What What's your thoughts on that signing and how are they going to use him? I like the I like the acquisition. Uh, he's going to be a good running back for the Falcons. He's only 29. He'll be 30 well, right when the season starts. And what I like about Stephen Jackson is he's good in the backfield in terms of the passing game because he can actually break a tackle in some of those linemen and just cut off one another 20, 30 yards. And that's what Falcons were lacking last year with Michael Turner. He just didn't have that quickness in the backfield with the running with the passing game when he was supposed to be passing the plays. And with Steven Jackson, I plus Chikaz Watchers on the team, I think the running game should be improved a lot better than last year. Yeah, you know, last year the Falcons had all the stigma against them with not being able to win a playoff game, and was Matt Ryan ever going to do anything? And 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 they snuck one out. You know, they uh, they almost almost blew that playoff game, but. Uh, you know, what do you think they need to do to take that next step to to make them a true, you know, Super Bowl contender? And I think any questions about them being able to win in the postseason is behind them. And now they need to to do the next, you know, take that next step and make it to the Super Bowl. 
You know, one of the things that uh, really was bad in the playoffs, I know, I'm glad they beat Seattle. That was one of the games they had to win. That was the first win for Matt Ryan with Seattle Seahawks when the Matt Bryant's field goal to win it. The problem was, and I watched the playoff, including the uh, 49ers game, is the defense. They just can't tackle the guy. They keep hitting the guys, but they won't make that round cover up, jam the guy, hit him on the ground tackles. They just kept bumping and hit him. And all the receivers or the running back and the opponents were doing just kind of push away and just kept on going. And that's what they can't do next season is to hit the bump and run. You've got to hit them hard and tackle them, make sure they're on the ground. Because if you don't, those players will just keep going. That's what happened in the playoff. That's what hurt them. Yeah. So they, the one weakness they had there in the playoffs was uh... – not having a real strong pass rush. They they let Abraham go. Um so far I haven't seen them make any any big moves on that front uh front defensive line. Where do you see them heading there? Uh I, I guess they're gonna make a move in, in the draft. I think so too. You know, Thomas Dimitrov is not a bad GM. He's good. I mean to be honest with you, ever since we had him, Falcons what have won five straight what five straight winning seasons, made the playoff almost every year. That's something the franchise never had done before. You know, ever since Blake and Dimitrov and Mike Smith been here, this team is almost like the Atlanta Braves at the nineties. I mean they just win, win, win. But I know they didn't do so well in the playoffs, but they're showing that they can still win consistency. And I think they're going to do it the draft. We get some linebackers, pass rush in the draft. They probably look for some more in the free agent market. I think they're waiting on some other players uh, available out there and who's going to be cut by other teams because they've got plenty of time to the summertime. So it's going to be two things, free agent and the draft. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a need for them, and they'll be towards – you know the end that the end of that draft um down there at the bottom, so there's gonna be some guys available that they could snag um uh, you know just looking at the draft board you've got uh, maybe uh uh sylvester williams jesse williams sitting down there at d line down where they're gonna be picking maybe a tackle uh so they they've gotta make a move there and and get some pressure on the quarterback too but you know, Matt Ryan silenced his critics, and, and he did a great job of that. So uh, I think that was a good, you know, good thing for him and is going to give him uh, – Yeah, he's a good quarterback. I was just saying, he's a good quarterback. I mean, he he can throw the ball. He he, he, hits, he throws it well to Julio Jones and Roddy Wright, the two main receivers of deep threats for the Falcons. And, of course, we, got, we kept Gonzalez. I'm glad he's coming back. There's another good – a player that Glenn likes is Gonzalez. That's his other favorite target because he's there for those medium yardage uh, passing situation. And ninety percent of the time, Gonzalez makes those catches and makes those first downs. And that's where I think Matt Ryan would use Stephen Jackson in because he got extra guy in the backfield. It makes it harder for the defense to determine who Matt Ryan is going to throw it to. Yeah, that would definitely. I, I in one of my early mock drafts, I had. Uh, the Falcons going tight end at the end of that first round, but now that Gonzalez is coming back, I think they can use it for uh, maybe a pass rushing DN. Like I said, that that'll go uh, a lot further from the team for the team and, and helping them make it uh, far in the playoffs. I think uh, the other thing on the Falcons, uh, every year when you do well, the schedule gets tougher. But you know what? It's been like that the last few years. The Falcons somehow managed to come away with wins. I think this year it should be no, not much different, except maybe they'll be tougher on the on defense, hopefully good on defense. One thing I learned, though, Mike Smith is learning more on the read option offense. And that's what Atlanta struggled this past year with the 49ers running the read option offense. 
And Mike Smith has been studying on it, so he knows what his defense is going to do next season when he has to face teams who have the read option offense. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the uh, coaches will be spending a lot of time this off season and throughout the league trying to slow down this read option and and see what that does to teams like Seattle and and San Francisco. So, um, well, I, I appreciate you calling in tonight, sure. Kevin. Now. You you do not have a Twitter account? That's, that's I don't, but I have, e- I have email account. Okay. Uh, if if you want to give that out for for people sure, to get I can do that. I can do that. And talk my, Falcons. My, yeah, yeah, sorry. My email account is Kevin K A V I N, letter C R S with a Sam S and Sam, nine two three at gmail dot com. All right, and Kevin's work is up on uh, Football Extra Points. He's he's one of our staff writers, so uh, if you're interested in seeing what he's got out there on the Falcons and asking him questions as we get closer to the draft, so uh, we're all looking forward to the draft. So I appreciate you calling in tonight, Kevin. Sure, no problem. All right, right, great. Have a good night. Bye. You too. All right, so we're off to a a great start here on the show, uh, talking – Talking draft free agency. Uh, a few of our staff writers here at Football Extra Points have come on, and if you want to join the conversation and and let us know what you think about your team, where they're going in free agency so far, how they've done, give them a grade, and uh, talk about the draft. You can call at three two three nine two seven two nine zero six. We're going to be diving into the draft here in a little bit more detail in a minute, but I'm just looking through my notes from the week on uh, teams and some moves that they made. You know, the Patriots kind of had the big, uh, I don't know, controversy, whatever you want to call it, with Wes Welker heading out um, and them signing Danny uh, Danny Amendola. And, you know, I I heard and I saw a lot of reaction where people were surprised that the, the Patriots let Welker go and couldn't believe they let him go. You know, it didn't surprise me at all. If you look at them over the years since Belichick's been there, guys like Rodney Harrison, Richard Seymour, um, you know, Randy Moss. When they get done with guys, they're done. They're gone. Um, They're not going to be held over a barrel by anybody. They're not going to be pushed around by anybody. Um, When they decide that they're not needing your services anymore and if you don't want to take the pay cut and walk the walk, you're you're out the door. Um, The only criticism I do have is this Danny Amendola uh, signing. You know, this guy just cannot stay on the field. I mean, he is he's made a crystal, I think, and um, that's going to be a problem for him. I just don't know how often they're going to be able to keep him uh, um, keep him on the on the field, and that's going to be an issue for him if they can't can't take advantage of that slot receiver position. So, uh, let's go back to the phones. We've got uh, Corey on the line. Hi, Scott. Corey. Hey, Corey, how's it going? Good, how you doing? I'll tell you what, I'm a Vikings fan, but I live in Denver. And I think you might have upset somebody with the Wes Walker being done statement. Because <laughs> this city is completely excited about having him. Oh, oh I, I don't think he's done for his career. I think uh, the, the Patriots are just, we're done with him. They, uh, you know, Belichick doesn't like to be told what to do, so um, you know, he's one where if you push his buttons, you're you're out the door. And uh, I think he's got a few years left on his on his knees. I think obviously going from Tom Brady to Peyton Manning is going to help him out tremendously. Right, right. 
I think, uh, you know, just on the Denver point, uh, I put an article up too. The whole Doomerville thing just kind of has this city scratching their heads about how that actually happened. And why couldn't they just, if I'm understanding it correctly, it was a seven-minute difference and Doomerville was w- willing to take the pay cut? Yeah, yeah, it seems like the uh, the facts, which I didn't even know they still had fax machines out there, <laughs> yeah. um, didn't go through in time or, or whatever, and now all of a sudden uh, he's on the street. So, yeah, it definitely uh, has a little funk to it, the story, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a... It's nice to be, like I said, I'm a Vikings fan, lifelong Viking fan, native of Colorado, but still a lifelong Viking fan. And uh, this, this city's just kind of up in arms over the whole Doomerville thing. Sure. Uh, well, as a yeah. as a Lions fan, I'm I'm very familiar with the Vikings, so uh, I keep a close eye on them, and they made some pretty pretty interesting moves. Um, Percy Harvin, they they let him go, but they followed up with uh, signing of Greg Jennings and and Greg Jennings is a great ad for him, but he doesn't fill that uh, um, Harvin role. They're two totally different receivers. What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, absolutely, and I, and I think that with two draft picks for the Vikings, they have to go with a receiver with one of those picks. I, I'm not sure. I, I believe it was your uh, uh, mock draft that had Corderell, uh Patterson. Out of Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. Going to the Vikings. I, I don't know that he's still going to be there for the Vikings. I, like, I, I think the Rams have two picks as well in the first round, and they're going to have to go with a receiver. And – I think they're going to take him. So, you know, most most mock drafts have the Vikings going with either Tavon Austin or uh, Keenan Allen. But when I look at it, it seems to me like uh, DeAndre Hopkins out of Clemson might be the best fit for the Vikings. Okay, now Keenan Allen and, and Austin, I think, both had just burner times at the at the combine, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have their times in front of me, but I, I'm pretty sure. I, I know Austin flew, and he's, you know, Tavon Austin's 5'8", 174. That, that sounds pretty small. He's in that uh, Harvin range, I think. <laughs> but they, they definitely, you know, need that uh, speed guy to take, yeah. take his role. Yeah, I, I think most Vikings fans that I talk to, yeah, we're going to miss Percy Harvin. He was a playmaker. That, that's all there was to it. But with the migraine headaches and kind of an attitude problem, you could make the uh, – I, I, don't, I don't know that Randy Moss's attitude was any worse than Harvin's was. So I I think that we need more the big over the top type of receiver. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Greg Jennings I think gives you. He's he's a bigger target, 
um, and, and you could fill that, like you're saying, you could fill that slot role with the uh, with the rookie coming into the league and and get some more uh, some more miles on them, you know, to take the pressure off of uh, off of uh, AP there in the backfield. He can't he can't carry the whole whole team on his back. Yeah, I, I like I like the various right too. I I think that he could he could fill that position for us. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, he really came on the last half of the season, especially after Harvin went down. Uh, I like what we got for Harvin. I I don't think that that was a bad deal whatsoever. Uh, Rick Spielman, our general manager, he's kind of had the attitude of uh, build through the draft, which, you know, I, I think for the most part he's done – a pretty good job. Uh, most of our draft picks have well, Christian Ponder still in the air. I'll give you that one. But uh, I think most of our draft picks have panned out. I like that they re-signed Phil Lodolt. I think our uh, offensive line is solid. Uh, beyond receiver with the other pick, I think we got to go either defensive tackle or linebacker. Yeah, and both those positions are are deep in this draft. So the, you know, with those two picks, they could grab a, a wide receiver and a, and a defensive lineman, and and that would be, you know, filling some big holes there in the first round. Yeah. yeah well, uh, Corey, what um, you've got some articles up here on the site. You've also got your Twitter out there. If you want to let everybody know. Uh, how to get in touch with you on Twitter and, and where they can find your work. Uh, it's on uh, it's on the website, and then my Twitter is at Y2Kason, and uh, that's, that's about it. All right, great. Well, uh, we'll be uh, uh, following the, the draft as we get closer and free agency, so we'll see how... Uh, um, see how the the Vikings do there in the NFC North. It's getting uh, pretty exciting. So, who are you liking? Since you're a Lions fan, who are you liking in the North this year? Oh well, got to see where everything goes. But uh, you know, it's hard to uh, to go away from Green Bay with Rodgers. I think they're they're uh, the one to keep an eye on. I still don't trust Chicago's uh, offensive line to give Cutler enough time to make any throws. So. Well, um, well, I, I think the uh, thing in the NFC North last year is that the Vikings completely overachieved and the Lions completely underachieved. So <laughs> I, I think there might be some kind of correction coming up in the next year. And, yeah, the Packers are going to be tough. I, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the Bears. And Mark Tressman, I, you know, living in Denver, I know how Jay Cutler reacted the last time the new head coach came in. So we will just see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate the call. All right, thanks, Scott. Bye. All right, thanks, Corey. All right, so we're uh, uh, getting a lot of great calls tonight, did breaking down some teams. So we've got another caller, uh, Chris from the Draft Insider, I believe, is on the line. Chris, you there? Hey, how are you? Great, how's it going? 
I'm doing good. Uh, appreciate you. good. Appreciate you uh, calling in. We've we've I'm sure you've been listening. We've been going through uh, the the draft a little bit more on free agency. But one thing I wanted to touch on with you was uh, Geno Smith. You know, he's he's the kind of the head of the class of the quarterback quarterbacks this year. Um, everybody's talking about it being a, obviously a weaker class than last year. He had his pro day last week. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on on him, his pro day, and and where you think he may land in this draft. Well, I mean, first of all, when you look at this quarterback draft class compared to last year, everybody says it's a weak quarterback class. Well, you have to understand that we were spoiled with quarterbacks like Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin uh, and eventually Russell Wilson. You know, you just don't get those quarterbacks in every draft. And so last year we were lucky enough to have, uh, you know, really good quarterbacks come out and perform right away. And, and you know, you could very well have that with this class. Nobody expected Russell Wilson to be who he was uh, or who he became later in the season. And, and you know, you very well could have that with some of these quarterbacks in this year's draft. Now, is there an Andrew Luck in this class? Right now, no. Is there a Robert Griffin right now? No. But I think that there's quarterbacks in this class that could be really, really good starters in this league for years to come. Uh, as far as, you know, Smith's concerned, you know, watching his pro day, he completed 60 of the 64 throws that he threw. Uh, he made every, nearly every NFL throw, and, and he showed his mobility. He showed his, his, foot, his good footwork, and I think that he looked really good. You know, when you look at Geno Smith, is, is he a guy that's worthy of the number one overall pick? And in this draft, no. There, there's tons of guys that are eligible, you know, uh, worthy of the first overall pick. But I don't think that you know, a team's going to reach and say, hey, Kansas City, look, we need to move up to get the guy that we want in Geno Smith. I think that, you know, the highest you'll see him go is two, whether it's to Jacksonville or a team that uh, trades up with with the Jaguars, or he could go as low as, as eight to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, it, it all depends on really how high teams have him on their draft board. And I'll be the first to tell you, there's a couple teams throughout the league that have Matt Barkley over Geno Smith. So it really all depends on what teams in the top ten have him uh, on uh, number one on their draft board and, and, and where they're drafted. Yeah, you know, Matt Barkley's an interesting case. He he was somebody that, you know, was was right up there in the conversation last year and, and decided to come back, uh, had had kind of a, I don't know if you, a weaker team around him, and he's taken all the blame for it, it seems like, and just at one point just fell completely off everybody's radar, I think, as as people get away from the end of that college season and start breaking down film, it seems like he's making a resurgence there back into the conversation. You know, looking at this first, the top 10 teams with Kansas city making their move to Smith, you've got Jacksonville with a question mark, Oakland, uh, Cleveland, Arizona, Buffalo, in my opinion, still the jets all with, with legitimate questions at quarterback and, you know, somebody like Geno Smith, Matt Barkley, uh, even Mike Glennon, they could land anywhere in that top ten, and, and it wouldn't really surprise me. Yeah, I think, you know, the one thing about Barkley, I want to touch on him really quick, is, you know, he decided to, to do what he felt was right and come back and try and win a national championship with USC. And, and I'm not the biggest believer in Lane Kiffin, and, and I don't think that he's a good uh, college coach, and, and I didn't think he was a good NFL coach. And, and I think a lot more – uh, of the blame for USC is, is on their defense. I don't think they had the greatest defense in football or even in the Pac-12. I think they had the third best defense in the Pac-12, and I think that, that a lot of that, you know, lack of success that they had in Southern California is on that defense. And 
But the one thing about Barkley for me is he's bailed out, in my opinion, by great athletes. You know, Robert Woods, Marquise Lee, and even Silas Red uh, was even a guy that bailed him out of some situations. And and you're right, there are guys that th- at least three, maybe even four quarterbacks that are worthy of uh, teams reaching the top ten. I don't think we're going to see that, but uh, I, I think if there's going to be any quarterback other than Geno Smith that's going to go in the top ten, it's going to be Matt Barkley. Yeah, and I think you know, looking at this top ten and and the the moves that these some teams have made recently. So you've got Arizona that released Cobb. You've got Buffalo that released uh, Fitzpatrick. Those two teams, to me, sent a clear signal that, that they're going quarterback with their draft position. And I think those two teams are going to be fighting each other to move up high enough to grab one of these guys. And it may be a situation where one of them moves up and gets Smith and the other one just takes Barkley or vice versa um, do you think uh, that's a possibility that these guys try to battle each other out to grab one of these guys? I, I think it, it is a possibility, but the, the one thing I will say is if Arizona Cardinals don't leave this draft with a top-tier offensive lineman, lineman, then they've completely wasted their time because it doesn't matter if they put Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, or Geno Smith behind center. They do not have an offensive line to protect either one of those guys, and, and they would be making a serious, serious mistake if they didn't take an offensive lineman uh, with that seventh overall pick or if they decide to move up. If I'm the Arizona Cardinals and I'm Bruce Arians, I'm moving way up in the draft, and I'm going to get myself a Luke Jokel or an Eric Fisher or, or hope that Lane Johnson falls to me at seven. And I'm solidifying my offensive line, and I'm hoping that a guy like Barkley falls to the you know mid to late first round. I'm trading back up to get him then. I, I, I think that the Cardinals probably will take a quarterback. Uh, it could be Barkley. But I think that if they want to make sure that Barkley's not uh, on his tail more than he's on his feet, that they need to get themselves an offensive line. Yeah, and, and fortunately for this draft, uh, both both lines, defensive and offensive line, seem to be very deep. You've got you know, Jokel, uh, Eric Fisher, you've got the guards, Cooper and Warmack. Uh, I mean, that that's that's a, a plus there where you've got guys just up and down this draft that, uh, that are solid, solid offensive linemen. Yeah, and when you look at the Cardinals, I mean, you know, obviously they, you know, they need a quarterback um, more, more than pretty much any team in the league. Uh, I mean, they went through – Ryan Lindley, uh, John Skelton, Kevin Cobb, you know, ever since Kurt Warner left, they haven't had a guy that, you know, can, can be that guy. And obviously Matt Leonard was a failed draft pick, and, and he's now on his third team in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, you you look at the Arizona Cardinals, you look at the Buffalo Bills. Uh, as far as the Jets go, I don't think they're going to give up on Mark Sanchez yet. You know, they owe him a ton of money. No team in the league is going to take that salary. Uh, I think they're kind of stuck with him whether they like it or not, and I think they're going to try and do everything they can to make it work. Um, and, and I think that they're going to show that early in the draft by, you know, getting him some talent uh, around him uh, or, or maybe solidifying that defense so there's not so much pressure on him. But as far as Geno and, and Matt go, I think that when you look at Geno Smith, I, I have a mock to the, to the Jaguars right now. I think that the Jaguars need to absolutely separate themselves from Blaine Gabbard. And then I think that Geno would be a good pick for them in Jacksonville. I know a lot of the Jaguars fans that I interact with on Twitter and some of the writers aren't really high on that pick. But uh, I think Gino is obviously the best quarterback available in this draft, in my opinion, from what I've seen on film. And I think if he goes to Jacksonville, he could start right away, and I think that he could be a game-changer right away. Uh, I'm not saying right now that uh, Gino Smith is a franchise quarterback, 
But, uh, you know, there's a lot of options that, that these top ten teams can go. And, and if you're not drafting a quarterback, you're drafting an offensive lineman that you can uh, – I'm a firm believer in building from the inside out. And I would take an offensive lineman before I took a quarterback, but you just don't pass on a franchise quarterback, in my opinion, if one's available. However, in this draft, there, there's just not a consensus franchise quarterback available. So, Yeah, so, so come draft night <clears throat> here in April on Thursday – um, do you see a team that that's talking about making a move, or see somebody that's mocked to some team where it just is a totally wrong fit that w- would just be a, a crazy pick for you? Anything just completely jumping out at you that that's off the wall? Well, there's a lot of mock drafts, and I, I had my show tonight. And I had Dame Brewer from CBS Sports on the uh, on the show, and he has, uh, and so do I. Uh, Ezekiel Ansa from BYU. Uh, is mocked to the Lions in a lot of mock drafts, and a lot of it's because he's a very overhyped player, in my opinion. But he did spend uh, that week down in Mobile, the Senior Bowl, with the Lions coaching staff, and we all know that they needed. They have a big need losing Cliff Avril at defensive end, and Kyle Vandebosch is not a scary player anymore. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure he's still with the team. Uh, regardless, uh, Ansa is being mocked to the Lions. In my opinion, that is an absolute over overdraft, and then that's a huge reach for a guy that's only played one year of football, not alone, you know, let alone college football. Uh, I have him more in the 15 to, to 20 range, um, but he's not going to make it past nine to the Jets. I can guarantee you that. Uh, Ezekiel Anta scares me to death taking him that high in the draft, and I think that he's either going to be a guy that that makes you look like the smartest guy in the room, or he's going to be a guy that costs you your job, and and that's a huge risk to take for a guy that only played one year of college football. Yeah, as I, I'm I'm a Lions fan myself, so uh, they they actually cut Vandenbosch uh, from the league, so they have a, a huge hole there. But they've got holes all over the place, and, and I've seen the same thing. I, I just read a mock draft tonight, getting ready for the show. They had Ansa there, and and I had the same reaction you did, which scares me. They've got way bigger needs in, in the defensive back. Uh, they don't have any defensive backs. They need they they've cut three offensive linemen. Um, so they've got huge needs. If they go take a reach on a guy that they hope they get the next Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, it, it's going to blow up in their face. So I, yeah. I and I think with the Lions, you know, if I were, the, I like Riley Reef. He played very well for them, you know, last year after mm-hmm. Backus went down. But he's a right tackle in the NFL. He's not a left tackle, and he's not going to be uh, come September either. I think uh, they can hope and pray that uh, guy like Eric Fisher or Luke Jokel. You know, the, the thing about Fisher and Jokel that I talked about tonight on my show is a lot like uh, Alex Smith, Aaron Rodgers, that, you know, the guy that goes number one is going to go number one. The guy that doesn't is going to fall a little bit. And in the Lions' case, they just better hope and pray that uh, Fisher or Jokel falls because I think five is too high for Lane Johnson. But they need an offensive line. I mean, Matt Stafford has the best receiver in the entire league. Uh, and when his career is uh, over, he might be the best receiver to ever play in Calvin Johnson. And you need your quarterback to be up, you know, to – to throw him the ball, and I think that you move Reap to right tackle, you get yourself a guy like Elaine Johnson or an Eric Fisher or Joe Cole, and you solidify that offensive line. Um, you know, if they trade back, maybe they get a guy like Warmack or Cooper. You know, I think offensive line is a big need for the Lions. I think defensive back, like you said, I, I like the addition of Glover, Clint, uh, Glover Quinn uh, with uh, Delmuth coming back. I think that's a pretty good secondary as far as safeties are concerned, but they don't have any good defensive backs. They have a hole all over their defense, uh, but my biggest need for them right now is offensive tackle. Yeah, and, and you know, they brought Delmas back, which which he's a great player, but he kind of reminds me of, uh, well, not because of his play, but Bob Sanders, where 
the guy just cannot stay on the field. When he is, he makes plays and, and he makes highlight reels and guys talk about him. But, you know, I have to look back. I don't think he's played 16 games since he came in the league. He just cannot keep himself on the field. But, um, yeah, they, they've got a lot of needs there in Detroit. So, um, you know, that's that's just um, – well, I could talk about Detroit already <laughs> all night. So, um, so come uh, come April, uh, Kansas City selects who number one overall. I, I think they salute Luke Jokel, and I think that you have to. I mean, Eric Fisher is gaining a lot of momentum right now. He had a great Senior Bowl, but the one thing that sticks out to me for Eric Fisher is he played in the MAC for three years, and and a lot of guys say, oh well, you know, he destroyed at the Senior Bowl. You know what? It was for one week. Uh, Luke Jokel has done it for three years. And, uh, you know, I've seen him doing it at a very high level for three years. And, and I think Luke Joke was the best tackle I've scouted since Joe Thomas. And Joe Thomas is the future Hall of Famer for the Cleveland Browns. He's been the bookend tackle in Cleveland for such a long time now. And, and he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. And I think Joe could be that very same player. Uh, Andy Reid would be absolutely remiss if he didn't take uh, Luke Joke number one. There's talk that he could go defensive lineman with a guy like Sheldon Richardson. Um, or he could go Zico Ansa, I'm hearing now, could be in play at number one. And, uh, you know, he's already gotten himself booed out of the stadium with Donovan McNabb. I don't think he needs to have another uh, <laughs> star like that in Kansas City. I think his best option is to go with Luke Chokel, and I think that he's safe. You know, one, he's the safest pick, and he's the best player available. So, you, you know, you're killing two birds with one stone there in Kansas City, and, and I think that he's he's going to be the pick uh, when Roger Goodell walks to the podium when they're on the clock. Well, well, I, I uh, at this point, yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. So, well, I appreciate you calling in. Um, you, you've got your your works out there on Twitter and your website. If you want to give that out for anybody listening to to follow uh, you, yeah, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Draft Insider, and uh, I, I write for Football Nation, and I also post all of our scouting reports, rankings, and mock drafts at www.withthefirstpick.com. All right. Well, I appreciate you calling in tonight, Chris. Anytime. Okay, thanks. All right, well, that was uh, Chris with uh, Draft Insider giving his thoughts on uh, Geno Smith mainly we talked about, but but touched on the draft in general. So uh, uh, that was a great, great conversation. So uh, appreciate all the callers, uh, the staff from uh, Football Extra Points that took the time to to call in tonight, Kevin and uh, Ryan and uh, Corey. I think I don't want to miss anybody. Um, appreciate them calling in and, and everyone listening. So um, we're we're plugging through. Had a lot to talk about tonight. Didn't get to everything we wanted to cover, um, but I'll, I'll hit on the extra point, and then we'll wrap the show. So my extra point for for this week is just the NFL in general. I mean, we've got the free agency is just booming. Uh, took over over the airways last week. It's it's turned into quite an event that the NFL moved it to 4 p.m. instead of midnight, so you have more activity. Everyone's always talking about the league. Uh, this change to the to the league year that they're talking about is just getting extended and even more. We've got March Madness getting ready to start this week, which will take some attention away from it. I'm sure everybody will be filling out their brackets, but uh, we'll be getting hot and heavy the next three, four weeks heading to the draft, and then uh, from there, we'll have mini camps, news from there, and, and focus in on fantasy football and, and things as we go. So um, as we wrap the show tonight, I uh, appreciate all the callers that have called in. Uh, make sure you check out footballextrapoints.com. If you'd like to uh, um, contact me about possibly writing for the show, uh, for the site, you can email me at uh, kings, K 
K-I-N-G-S at footballextrapoints.com. Uh, we've added several staff writers here over the last several weeks and uh, looking to bring on a few more. I get coverage for all the teams, and, and we'll definitely bring you on the show and talk about things. So appreciate everybody for tuning in tonight, and uh, we'll be back next Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern. So have a great night.